I say, Africa must wake up, the sleeping sons of Jacob, for what tomorrow may bring. May Our dynasty on the morning bliss. Can you tell me, young ones, who are we today? Time for our dynasty. Very interesting conversation we're having here. And I hope we're going to have it one day uh, on air. Um, it's, it's very dynasty related. I'm, I'm saying to Amanda, what course there's a um, uniform for Omakoti? And I want to know where it comes from because it's got so many rules and regulations. Amanda saying, no, it's not like that. Well, Ngumakoti was his course. And I want to find out where Amanda says it's not like that everywhere because it is like that in most course areas. And I'd like to know. So I'm Amanda, put the conversation on, put the conversation on air so that we can have it and we learn more. Um, I think there's a lot that you are to learn <laughs> about the Makoti attire, um, but we will get to that conversation. Today, we are going to be talking about black institutions of decolonization currently developed in South Africa um, that, um, you know, Uraz Tautau Haramanuba is going to help us understand. He is the president of RUF. Raz Tautau, thank you very much for joining us. A blessed morning to you, King. A blessed morning, uh, Queen, and uh, the listeners uh, of your program. And thank you for having us again. Now, there's a lot of talk around decolonizing education. Um, black um, uh, consciousness. But this talk, is it materializing into institutions that are actually delivering um, uh, minds that have been decolonized, minds that speak of the, the, the African in, um, holistic manner and uh, teaching about the African? Well, um you know, decolonizing the African mind and decolonization in general uh, is an expected condition uh, in almost every country after so-called independence or freedom, like in our case, we are not independent, we are just, we have a freedom day, not an independence day. Uh, we just have a day where we started voting before it gives us this uh, illusion of independence. But it's something that uh, is being uh, spoken all over the continent, which is not really happening because our problem is our very elite who are now in charge of government uh, actually maintain the status quo and become a stumbling block to decolonization. Hence, we're starting to have these alternative institutions that are outside of the establishment, like in the case of South Africa, where you have you know, all these pan-social society, Gamaku Institute, Institutes of Africology, and so forth. Now, can we talk about these institutions and uh, why uh, we see so many of them, um, you know, outside of formal um, institutions like universities? Because um, um, Af African Renaissance is a must. And let's maybe use South Africa as a case study. You look at the amount of people who are now awakening to their African identity, their African spirituality, with a large amount of uh, people who are becoming traditional in us, 
who are responding to their calling. Uh, some people are saying, hey, Ronaldi, Sangoma, we're having a lot of people who are becoming Sangoma, and so forth. Um, because we come from a great oppression, suppression, and depression where the African culture was deliberately oppressed and suppressed uh, in the case of apartheid, but also in the case of colonization throughout Africa. So it is it, it is it is expected that eventually the African people are awakened. We are living in the age of information, or living in the age of knowledge, or living in the age uh, of Aquarius. I was saying. So in this age whereby our people are awakening, but there are no formal institutions or the formal institutions that we are having there, and they are not catering for that matter. For instance, in South Africa, we are having. Uh, IKS in the university, Indigenous Knowledge System in the university. And if you look, uh, IKS is located at the Department of Science and Technology, and you look at the person, the last time I checked, the person who is heading IKS in South Africa, you can't even speak one of the indigenous languages of the country, or it's not indigenous to South Africa. So they are not really doing service to uh, this discourse of Indigenous Knowledge System. So therefore, alternative institutions are being uh, established outside of this formal institution because if the African spirit is rising, it can't be suppressed. So therefore, it, is, it has to find expression, and it is finding expression in this alternative institution that are developing within South Africa. But it is the African spirit is within the same context of the African Renaissance movement. So why do we see so much rise in the need and the quest for decolonizing education, uh, the knowledge systems, even having segments in, you know, certain universities where we say it's indigenous knowledge systems that are being taught? I think um, nothing has changed ever since, uh, like from 1994. We've had the Rose Must Fall movement, We've had the Feast Must Fall movement. We've had a lot of discourse uh, in this country about decolonizing education, but nothing has changed really. And we're still being fed the same education that is not really responding to the need for decolonization. And as a result, uh, we find that uh, now the voices are out there now. you look at the, like I did mention earlier, the black elite, our own elite. Um, they, they, are, they are not seeking for change. Actually, they are seeking for a, a change within the structure of their society for themselves as a middle class, as, as a black elite. Like they need to be treated better because they are educated. They need to be treated better because they are Christian or so forth. You know, like. Uh, uh, so it is like the saying that um, the black uh, elite, they don't want a change in the system. They just need a, a system to a change for themselves or for the entire society. So as a result, um, these things now, they're coming down to ordinary people. The quest for knowledge is so much, and knowledge of self, you know, because like we did indicated that our identity at one time was criminalized. And uh, as a result, 
we, we, we found ourselves being fed a knowledge system that creates poor imitations of the white men, you know, what we call the Afropian. But now the self is the self, and the self will always want to return to the source. And in the course of returning to the source, now it is using different uh, uh, mediums to return to the source, as I've indicated. A lot of people are responding to their calling, true or false, whether this amount of people who are becoming Sangoma are genuine or not is something else. Whether the amount of teachers out there are genuine or not uh, is something else to debate later. But what is in, uh, going on here is that it's a wind of change. We can clearly and visibly see out there that a lot of people who get into social media, who get into TikTok, a lot of South Africans are talking, a lot of South Africans are sharing knowledge, a lot of South Africans are teaching out there whole lot of things that in the past we never know, like almost every phenomena is being explained, every uh, concepts are being explained, every ideas are being explained, what is this, why this thing, where does this thing come from. So we're in that space whereby the African, uh, the African culture is authenticity, is being now brought into the forefront. And, so you let's discuss this. Now, you know, Raz, we we would like, you know, to believe that our constitution enshrines that, uh, you know, uh, we, we are able to pursue our knowledge. We are able to be free to, to be taught um, the knowledge that is relevant to us as Africans. Is the government, uh, particularly the education department, um, doing the right things to support us getting this knowledge via, um, you know, these new institutions that have come up and also via traditional education? No, the government is not doing much, um, obviously. The fact that we are having these alternative institutions out there um, advocating the alternative reality, it is clear that the government is not doing much. Otherwise, this knowledge would have been freely being provided in our high schools, in our institutions of higher learning, like our teacher level. So I wouldn't, I would not credit our government for doing much. I mean, we're still celebrating 36% uh, of pass rate as, you know, as the highest thing, which is basically we are, from a government point of view, we are officially an illiterate country whereby our pass mark is not even 50%, you know, it's at 36%, and then there'll be a big fanfare. So our government is not doing much, and it's not providing that space, and it's not even uh, catering or funding uh, this uh, knowledge system. That is why there are alternative institutions, and our people are going out there to seek for that knowledge, you know, be, people of all levels, whether they have degrees, whether they have PhDs, whether they have honors and masters, they still go out of come out of those institutions and come into this informal institution to try to find out uh, their identity, their culture, their history that is not even taught in the university or that the government curriculum or the government planned prepared curriculum is not uh, 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 providing, so I wouldn't credit the government for doing much, 
Yes, I will credit our constitutional environment for allowing this discourse to take place. Probably during apartheid, maybe we wouldn't be having this much conversation that we are having as we are doing now. But to say the government is taking a lead in this, it will be giving them too much credit. Now, there's also something else that's quite intriguing. Um, there's a lot of embracing nowadays of African traditional healing and spirituality and so on and so forth. What has brought about this um, acceptance and embracing that we didn't have, let's say, about 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, it's a a very interesting phenomenon, particularly I think South Africa is taking a lead in the African continent in this this particular respect. uh, it one, I think, um, again, we, we are a little bit different in the continent in a sense that uh, uh, our environment allows this type of freedom. Even our fellow Africans, we are able to come here and express themselves radically against even our own government. Um, I mean, I've been to about 18 African countries. Majority of things that are taking place in South Africa, you can't do them in other African countries. You can't even protest against the government that is hosting you. Uh, either you came like most of our fellow Africans, either as economic refugees or political refugees or even expatriates or exchange students or whatever, but every now and then you will see them expressing themselves a lot of opinion they have their voices raised they march they protest uh, to the point that uh, it has been normalized for them to even say South Africans are stupid South Africans are this and that but I've stayed in exile during the apartheid uh, there were very few limited things that we can do in Botswana in Zimbabwe in Tanzania where I think I've studied in Ethiopia, and there are very, very few things that we will, you will do even today there. But the environment in South Africa is quite conducive uh, to the point that it is not only allowing that expression to our fellow Africans, but also to our uh, South African citizens, that now that expression has gone into um, this rise in consciousness, not only even in consciousness, even in some unconsciousness. I mean, uh, it is here in South Africa when you get even traditionally, we must have programs on different TV stations where they're even talking about witchcraft. You know, you hear people telling people, but you forget a street or come to me and all of that. People are advocating uh, all type of knowledge and living back knowledge. So I think we are very liberalized. Uh, we are not only liberalized, but we are radicalized to the point that uh, it is allowing all type of expression, including what uh, what we have observed in the past 15 years has been quite a rise and a change in traditional healing system. We see a lot of young people embracing their calling uh, for different reasons. You know, some they say, oh, once Umjola goes wrong, Umjola, we are going to learn twice. You know, once, uh, even though I can handle that, I'm going to do Maybe because of also that space is being commercialized, that every second person is becoming a governor. 
and, and it's such a lucrative business. Uh, maybe it is because of, in truth, the African spirit is really, really rising and people are embracing their colleagues and embracing their sisters. Maybe it is because the fact of the matter is that, yes, it's not but not everybody you know, others are in knowledge, others who already passed, but yes, we are observing that phenomena and it is quite uh, a radical change. Right? So we have rightfully observed that in the past 15 years, we see a serious rise in the area of Kobongo and traditional healing. Now, let's look at the role that uh, mainstream media can play, you know, in shaping um, uh, things uh, that are pertaining to Africa and African Renaissance programs. Um, well, the mainstream media, the role that they can play really is to provide uh, expression for the African Renaissance program. You know, the other day, uh, I think I was talking to uh, one of uh, the teachers in the African spirituality space, and was saying, uh, I think he was saying, in case that end about 50 or 200 um, uh, um, community radio stations, and none of that community radio stations talking about African spirituality, they are all uh, of a particular dominant foreign religion, uh, and therefore there is, there is a need for the media to speak to what is happening in the country, to speak to uh, the consciousness of the people, to speak to the culture of South Africa. So there's a limited role that our media is playing really and truly, like you, and your know, heritage days, on, on heritage day, big uh, media will, you know, cover certain aspects of our heritage, whether it's musical, cultural, and so forth. But, uh, this is an African country, you know, 80% or 90% of our content should be African, should be, and therefore give expression to this African Renaissance movement that is taking place. So there is a lot that our media say, actually it is the social media that is giving so much expression to that. Like if you get into spaces like TikTok and Facebook, you know, you get those type of social media that are providing with so much space uh, uh, for, for this African Renaissance movement that we are observing. But the, the mainstream media, the main big house media, is not doing much really. It's only on those particular days, like uh, um, Editing Day, uh, some they will cover some few things about Black History Month. Some will cover some few things. Yes, lately I've seen that uh, there is also this holiday that has been introduced for the past three years called Ancestor Day on the 8th, 9th May there. And you know, they'll cover it there one day. And and then it goes on. You know, I mean, there used to be those programs on Sunday. You know, we used to have uh, uh, those programs like Roots where they are playing all different genres of, uh, of, of our diverse cultural music, you know, the Botswana, the Tosa, the Zulu, the Swati, the Venda, the Batedi music, and, and also showing that traditional growth and, and, and so forth, but there are, there are very few and uh, limited expressions of uh, um, African cultural, African philosophy, African cosmology, African ontology, 
uh, African history uh, expressions. And so they are quite very limited in terms of expression. Uh, we've got a voice note from an A-team I would like to contribute to the conversation. Um, and um, yeah, let's go to it. Morning, Patricia and the listeners. This the issue of 30% plus mark is starting to bomb. It's the populist thing that is being pushed. How many subjects do, do, do we have to get? With, do we have to pass with 30% in order to pass? There's no one who can get the average of 30% in pass. Even during apartheid, the school leavers, please do the research, the school leaver certificate. How many percent, how many subjects did we have to get? 33.3. How many subjects do we have to get? 40%, 50%. I come on, people. Uh, the great people, they are just push, pushing this thing off. Uh, pass mark is 30%. Plus. You, you can't get 30%. I, I, okay, let me leave it like that because I, everyone is just pushing 30%, 30% without doing any uh, proper research on how the system works. I'm not saying it's it's okay. I'm not saying it's okay, but don't just be populist about it without doing research. Thank you for the voice note, A-teamer. Um, Raz Dauda, please do weigh in on uh, the A-teamer's comment. Um, I, I was just hearing there, there but I see, I, I hear that you said, you know, um, Comment about the 50 percent thing, and uh, I think I had something about the school leaver certificate or something like that. But I think it is still speaking to what you were saying that uh, not, uh, I mean, 30 percent in a hundred percent is not even half of it. So the bar should be raised a little bit high, you know, at least we should be celebrating something about 50 percent. We should be uh, putting it. Uh, are targeting about 50% of pass rate. And for that, for me, that it speaks to our level of literacy. But if we are still even talking about below 50%, I think we're just officially, it is just a declaration that we are officially an illiterate country. We need to raise the bar in standard. I mean, it is very common, the common knowledge in South Africa that they uh, our brothers and sisters from Zimbabwe are very educated in the sense that the educational level they uh, raise the standards you know, to the point where we will say uh, they, they invested in education and also in requiring higher pass marks. So, yeah, I think we need to raise our bar below, beyond 50%. All right. Uh, now, Raz, Bantu Soul Society, what is it? And um, can you tell us about other uh, related institutions for those who um, would like more knowledge? Bantu Soul Society is an institute of Africanity. Uh, it's a social order and a sacred ritual. Well, it is an institute it has it is providing nine modules and these nine modules is african spirituality african cosmology african ontology african epistemology african calendar system uh, african psychology 
um, African culture, African history, about nine modules. Uh, Bantu Soul Society is main uh, focus is uh, it's there's a theme that is driving Bantu Soul Society, which is from uh, from Christianity to Africanity. So there is a deliberate move to move the people from Christianity to Africanity. You need to understand that uh, when colonialism uh, operated under the triple C, there was this thing called the triple C of colonialism. Actually, it was David Livingstone who coined the triple C. And this triple C was that colonialism is coming to Christianize, to civilize, and to commercialize. And it was about commercialization and the Christianization and civilization of Africans. And civilization means um, a reason for Europeanization, that, uh, that is where we found African culture was suppressed. And one of the main hub of suppression was Christianity that was used uh, to go around and say African knowledge system is pagan, is heathen, is demonic, and so forth. So hence, even today, as black people have problem, uh, uh, hate everything about colonialism except Christianity. Once you start, you touch that, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a no-go area. But the, the role, you look at the role is played, apartheid itself was a Christian doctrine, you know, reinforced by the Dutch Reformed Church, the Elfiegerd and the Herrenfeld Church colonialism itself was a, uh, the moral arm of it were justified as Christian, Christianity. So therefore, Bantu Society speaks about from Christianity to Africanity. It speaks about Africa beyond Ethiopia and Egypt. You know, most people when they say Africa, they just think in terms of Ethiopia and Egypt. But beyond Ethiopia and Egypt is Africa, Sub-Sahara Africa, the Bantu people um, who are all over the continent. So it's, it is focusing on... Uh, reviving the African knowledge. So there is a theme that is driving the budget for society, which is researching the researchers now, look at the antithesis of pieces, looking into all the researches that we have them uh, about the Africans that they were done from bias and prejudiced point of view. So we need to uh, to really look at the researchers who will do the researches. And of course, we have related institutions like uh, uh, the African School of Spiritual Africa, uh, the African Spirituality School, uh, that is also run by Dr. Edward Michole. You have the Institute of Africology run by Dr. Yasan Diwa, and uh, And then you have Gara Heritage Institute that is run by the likes of Dr. Matula Mosefa. You have Kamaku Institute where you get the Dr. Lugunolo. And then there you have um, Great Empire of Kimed by Kumin Singisa, Afro Sevi by Abu Bogo Selenjalo, uh, and then you have Inkolo Kandu, Bunkulu Dinga, you have Baku Nikalafu Institute by the likes of Dagero Nimokabaya. So these are those institutions that are engaged in the reawakening of the African mind and decolonizing the African mind. So these are related institutions uh, in the likes of Pakistan society. Um, Raz, how can these institutions be accessed by, you know, South Africans who just want an alternative 
uh, to the reality we are facing when it comes to the sort of education we get? How can they be accessed? How do ordinary South Africans access these institutions like Bantu Soul Society? Okay, I'll speak uh, maybe for Bantu Soul Society, I'm part of Bantu Soul Society. Um, There are several avenues, like um, uh, through, uh, they have a website, www.bantusoulsociety.org.za, and then there you get uh, all that we provide, including ancestral work. Uh, the ancestral work is uh, also one program that they are providing uh, about three times a year. And I think the next uh, one is going to be from the 18th of November to the 22, to the 18th of December to the 22nd of November, uh, December. Uh, going through discovering nine ancestral heritages is a five-week program uh, from Marupin where you get Homona Lady uh, at Mohani uh, City at Mohanis and then going through Freedom Park, our national heritage site, you get our national ancestral shrine, the Sivivani, going through to uh, Matapan Valley, where they have some documentation of life in Southern Africa, uh, from the proto-human to the humans, about 3.5 billion years ago, like uh, covering some aspect of the age, and then you go into the National Shrine, and there they have Pagonuma Lab Museum, Vata Ruins Museum, where they have them going to the secret drum of the Bavenda people, the footprints of Noali, uh, the breaking stone, going through to PPD waterfall, going to Mapungu Boy, and finally by the Mojaji Royal Family, going through the Royal and uh, the Rain Queen. So this is a walk that covers about five, uh, that takes about five days, uh, four nights, five days, and that covers heritage sites from Limpai to Limpopo province. Um, so it's about yeah, it is it is uh, it is happening annually, but also you can access them through they have a TikTok account, Bantusol Society, and then they have it. Uh, also you, you send an email info at bantusolsociety.org.za. So yeah, they're, they're accessible in so many ways. You know, on social media, on, the, on, on Facebook. And they have a bunch of society page where then you can get to interact and find several things they do. Also, they sell you merchandise, like um, the ancestral stuff, right? like the Ankh. You know, most people have been into the culture of the Ankh, um, the, 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 the clothing, and so forth. So, there's a couple of things that are provided there. So, if one can visit their website or link them up, on those social media spaces, and then they can see whatever they need to see in relation to the ancestors, culture, history, African calendar, uh, particularly the Banjo calendar, you know, and uh, and also activities they have. They have also online classes, and they have uh, for South Africans who are interested on online classes, and they also have one-on-one, I think they have workshops, they have different, different programs 
that have been run from there. So South Africans can just access them through their different media platforms. Oh, thank you so very much uh, for giving us this information. And we do hope that we will get to a point where our basic education system incorporates our indigenous knowledge and uh, the decolonizing does not come at the cost of, you know, general education system, but it becomes integrated into how our young people's minds are shaped to learn and understand who we are as Africans. Raz, how do A-teamers get in touch with you? I know you're on social media, and I'm sure that's where they can hear more about Bantu Soul Society. Yes, um, they can contact me on Facebook. It's, uh, my direct account is Tautawarabaloba on Facebook and TikTok. Uh, but then uh, also there are Bantu Soul Society uh, pages like on, on Facebook, and uh, on TikTok and on Instagram. And then if they want to communicate directly, WhatsApp is 073-788-5808. So that is a direct contact. And then you can communicate otherwise. You can send it uh, email at info.bandisolsociety.org.za or check the website of Bandisol Society www.bankedsoulsociety.org.za Yes, I agree with you that uh, our education system should incorporate uh, this indigenous knowledge system so that we stop learning about the learning of the parts of the broadcast and start to intellectualize our own knowledge, our own languages, like there is this thing that uh, our languages are not languages of invention. You know, one time somebody was saying, how are you going to have our languages as a language of invention? What are you going to call metamorphosis in Zulu? And then one person was like, how did the Chinese do it? How did the Indians do it? You know, they all use their own languages today. They're giving us cell phones, computers, and all of that. So we need to decolonize the knowledge, we need to intellectualize our languages, we need to, to be able to apply our languages as languages of technology, of science, of innovation, of economics, uh, so that we can also develop like any, any other nations that are developing and understand that industrial civilization is not exclusively an option, it's for anybody who can develop it. Thank you so very much, uh, Raz Dauta. We really appreciate it. Blessings to you, King. Blessings to you, Mama, and the listeners of uh, your program and, uh, and uh, your station. And thank you so much for 